Hey guys, welcome back to the Self-Confidence Project. I'm your host, Kimberly Hill, and we're talking about all things life, confidence, relationships, what gets you up in the morning, what doesn't get you up in the morning. That's what we talk about in this podcast. I'm super glad you're here. If you're the first time tuning in, subscribe to my channel, hit the like button, spread the love, and uh, looking forward to getting into another amazing episode with you guys today. So what are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Self-Confidence Project. And guess what? I'm bringing a guest on today's show, a gentleman by the name of Corey McCarthy. And I'm just going to give you a little intro here before I welcome him on. Um, He lives in Buffalo, New York with his lovely wife and three kids. And he's the founder and owner of McCarthy IE, a company that specializes in the restoration of historic churches and architectural homes. I had a look at uh, your website and some of that stuff is awesome on there. Um, And Corey has a fascinating story, a story that we're gonna talk a little bit about on today's podcast. Uh, At the age of seven, Corey was attacked by a stranger in a public place, which really altered his life significantly. Uh, One traumatic event led to the next, uh, the result being years of addiction, visits in rehab facilities, jails, mental inpatient services, homelessness, and eventually an extended stay of over seven years in a New York state correctional system. So that's a lot and defying the odds, Corey has endured and overcome. Uh, He's embraced a beautiful new narrative of gratitude and hope. Um, And because of the changes that he's made, he has built a strong business with a family of employees, He's built a loving home. His life work is most certainly the time he spends on a daily basis doing whatever he can to help and inspire others to change their narrative. Anyone who feels damaged, dirty, alone, or plain not good enough. Uh, And this is where he derives true meaning and purpose. So Corey and I have met recently on a men's mastermind uh, and today I get the pleasure of bringing him on the show. So Corey, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Kimberly. Thanks for uh, the warm welcome. Of course. How did it kind of feel hearing all of that back? Uh, comfortable. Yeah. I'm comfortable with it. Yeah. Uh, and some sometimes it's sad to think of myself as a young man and going through all those things. Um but I mean, I'm very comfortable with where I've been. Yeah. yeah. And telling that story. Well, well, tell me a little bit more, Corey. I mean, I've only got to know you so well uh, so far, um, but, but tell me a little bit more about that story. What's really led you to where you are now? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a million stories in there and I, I like telling stories. I kind of think of myself as a storyteller, but what led me to where I am now probably would be most importantly I was I was halfway through that incarceration and Mm -hmm. um I was really ready to give up uh and you know I had been ready to give up a a a lot of times in my life but I think I was just at the point where it was do or die right like to you know uh, it was just like all right so either try something new and give it a whole a, fu- a whole fair shot or or just give up or just give um, up yeah 
uh, and stop, like, you know, just stop trying, just stop trying. Um, and so I did, I gave, you know, like I, and I think I've been falling forward since, right. I've failed and I've succeeded, but like, I've been continuously moving forward since then. Yeah. So are you comfortable sharing with us? And again, it's totally your choice here, but are you comfortable sharing what got you into the New York state correctional system? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, it's a matter of public record. So, uh, fair enough. I, yeah. am com- <laughs> I, I, I am comfortable with it. I, um, I didn't search you w- before. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a brighter search than it would have been 10 years ago. Um, so I, I was 22 years old. I had just turned 22 years old. I was on probation for selling drugs or, or some arrest. I was on, I had been arrested probably eight times by the time I was 22. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was robbing drug dealers. Yeah. Um, wow. That's pretty brave of you <laughs> or desperate. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it didn't take a lot of planning. Um, so I was robbing drug dealers and I got myself into a situation where one of them was, uh, coming to get me. And he called me and told me he was going to shoot me and that I was going to be dead. And because I was robbing drug dealers, I was carrying a gun. And um, we met in the middle of the street. He jumped out of a car and confronted me and I jumped out and I shot him in the chest. Mm-hmm. And I was lucky that he survived. Oh, I was very, very lucky that he survived. Yeah. Sounds yeah, like that's- a, a tough kind of tough reliving that that moment um you know there's a lot there i i've i've since made amends to some people that are connected closely to him um but i don't i doubt that i'll ever be able to fix that um or mend that with him or his his mother Mm -hmm. and for that um that's a heavy feeling to not be able to fix something that you've done you know Yeah. yeah yeah So I guess this has led to just dealing with a lot of, a lot of your own trauma, a lot of your own shame. Can you tell us a little bit about how you've kind of worked your way through some of this? Yeah. uh, So the first thing that I did when I was incarcerated was uh, make an effort to stop using drugs. Right. Mm -hmm. And once I was able to do that with some consistency, um, then quite honestly, like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm about as tough as they come, but at the same time, like if I want more out of life, I had to dig more into my past. Mm -hmm. And so I did, I had to work on different traumas to, to figure out like why I was killing myself with drugs or why, why I felt so bad about myself. Um, you know, and, and it's, it's been an ongoing process, right? Like, I know a lot of the work that you do is around relationships and confidence and, it's only in the, you know, I've been, uh, I've been out of prison for 10 years and it's only really in the past two years that I've learned how to accept love and, and give love. Mm. And what led you to that point? Cause when I hear the words, accept love and give love, my mind goes straight to the love languages and learning how to speak love to other people. Uh, have you come across that work yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm very familiar with the love languages um, and they're really cool and they're really helpful in relationships. If anybody's never heard of them, mm-hmm. um, it's also really interesting to find out 
uh, how you give love mm-hmm. as opposed to how you receive it, because they can be very different. But what led me to working on that stuff was, you know, I had been in a number of short, maybe like one year, two year relationships after incarceration um, and never fully trusted anyone. And because of that, I would separate myself from them in in any number of different ways, right? Like Mm. either by lying or just keeping secrets um, never fully committing um, yeah. in ways that I didn't know weren't committing. Right? Yeah. Sounds like a little bit of that avoidance attachment. Now I'm curious when you say like the theme there was around trust, is it, is it because you didn't trust sharing your story or being vulnerable or because you didn't trust women? Is that, is that stem from something that happened in the past? Where did that trust issue come from for you? Yeah. So, so there's, there's a double answer there. There's the, the one answer is the reason I've been going really hard into the work that you do and, and figuring out relationships and trying to really understand love and how to, how to be in love is because the person I'm with now, my wife is the only person I've ever felt safe enough to talk to about all the things that have happened to me. Yeah. And the reason I don't trust um, yeah, I mean, when you, you know, when you get attacked at seven, right, that's one thing. Yeah. Um, and I was attacked by a stranger in a public place, uh, and, and molested, right. Um, violently. And then when I was 12, I was, uh, assaulted by a police officer when, you know, when I was 16, my friend's father took me in cause I was living on the streets and he taught me how to sell cocaine and then he raped me. So like trust, trust for me, you know, my mother did the best she could. uh, And they, my family really poured love into me, but at some point they had to choose tough love. And so I was like an 18 year old kid, kind of 17 year old wandering the streets. And my parents, you know, uh, right or wrong said, Hey dude, if you, if you can't, you know, get your life together, you can't move in here. Mm -hmm. So trust was was and is to be really honest with you a difficult um being vulnerable with another human being um for me like fully trusting them can be difficult yeah 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 yeah. that makes a lot of sense but it sounds like you're in a very safe and comforting relationship now very much uh both of us are committed to you know the work i do um one of the things I say to the people that work for me and, and people in general is every time I do something, I learn how to do it better the next time. Yeah. And, and um, we're committed to the next time always being us. Mm-hmm. Right. So anytime there's a hiccup or there's, you know, something that's detrimental in the relationship, it's like, okay, so how do we fix it? Yeah. Exactly. As opposed to, I, you know, I like, well, I don't know, it's never going to be fixed. It's never, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and Those so it are, is comforting. Yeah. yeah. Those thoughts like the, I don't know, it's never going to be fixed. Why bother are very typical of that kind of avoidant attachment. Right. And it's like, well, healthy relationships are going to have conflict. They are going to have challenges. There is no perfect relationship. So how well can you, what I call lean into it? like face the conflict, face the challenge, like come together with your partner. So, yeah. Yeah. So Corey, I'm really curious, like, you know, we met each other through this 
men's mastermind. And I know that there's a real deep passion here for you to inspire uh, other people as well to change their narratives, to, to, to get through uh, traumas, shame, struggles. Uh, what do you wish you could have told your younger self? Like you're here, you know, inspiring other men to change their story. What do you wish that you could go back and tell yourself? I've actually thought about this a few times and it's always kind of hard um, because I don't know what would have made me listen, mm -hmm. you know, but what I know, what I know from a physical standpoint is that I really just needed to know that I was worthy of love. Like yeah. even saying that to you, um, yeah, even saying that to you like makes my chest rumble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. It's like, we can, we can, we like to visualize a lot about our futures, but oftentimes we need to do these. Uh, I like to do these exercises with clients where I get them to uh, literally just close their eyes and picture um, their younger self, that seven-year-old version of you, or, or even younger, and just going back and giving that little boy the biggest, most loving hug ever. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's what we need. That's what everybody needs. Everybody needs to know that they are loved and appreciated. So what has got you wanting to work? I mean, your life experience has got you wanting to work directly with men, but there's got to be something else there. Like why spend time supporting others? What's really your driving force here? Um, a couple of years ago, I started volunteering for two different prison programs. Uh, these people came up with these amazing programs inside of prisons that lower the rate of recidivism by something like 70%, which mm -hmm. if this is outside of the, the realm of this podcast, but helping those guys in jail, um, and then, you know, I've sponsored people in and out of AA. I've, I've, I've helped family members. Um, but there's something so, I mean, you know this obviously firsthand, but there's something so rewarding uh, emotionally in doing that. But more importantly, like, I just think of the impact in my life of the, from the changes that I've made you know, I have 10, I have 10 employees, right? Like who now feed all their children. And like, mm -hmm. I have a home and pay taxes and have a, a, like, I have two stepsons who I like love and adore. And I like my daughter now has a father and, hmm. you know, like I have a dog I take care of, like, Yay. <laughs> right. You know, but, but like, I joke here in Buffalo that at one point I lowered the property value. Like, I, you know, I was shooting people in the middle of the street, like, like, I, you know, I, people probably moved from the neighborhood, mm. you know? Um, and now i like quite literally raised the property values in the city. I work on some of the nicest homes and churches in the city and it's like, but that could be anybody. That's yeah. my point. Like, it's not about, like, I don't mean to say it's about me, but there's oftentimes not a lot of people that come back from those places and say, Hey, it's possible. Right. They keep going. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and God bless them, like keep going. But like, I, I think I have enough in my tank to come back and, and, and say, come, come on, follow me. I'll show you the way. Yeah. 
I love it. Like, you know, especially people that have had experiences in their lives, like they reach this point, some of them, not all of them, where they want to then share their story and support other people. But you mentioned it earlier, like your cup is, is so full that you can then kind of spill out and support others. But how does Corey refill his own cup? How do you, how do you take your, care of yourself? What, what are the things that you do? It's a good question. Um, so I meditate every morning uh, for 10 minutes. Uh, I, I actually put a post on Instagram today that I shared a friend of mine um, that's really gentle about meditation because so many people get bent out of shape. Um, it's actually just about noticing that mm-hmm. you're thinking, not stopping thinking. But yeah. long story short, that's one of the things I do. I, I do some really gentle yoga. I, I read. I exercise. I love to go swimming. I like to do, um, adventurous stuff. Yeah. I like to jump off waterfalls. Um, I oftentimes will ride motorcycles for me. Sometimes it's honestly like stuff that's hyper-focused and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my stepson, I'll, I'll give you a quick one. My a couple years ago. So I took him up on this waterfall and I knew that he could climb up it, but I knew that he was going to be really afraid to jump down. He said, aren't you afraid? And I said, yes, I'm very afraid but I'm going to jump anyways. Yep. And feel um, the fear and do it. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, and he said, but what if something happens? And I said, well, that's why we got in the water before to check underneath where we should jump. You know, it's like you you limit your risk and then take your plunge, you know? Mm. Um, But that kind of stuff always kind of recharges my batteries. Mm, A little bit of sensation seeking or activities where you get lost in a sense of flow. I imagine whether that's a slowing down and meditating or ramping it up and jumping off a waterfall. Absolutely. I love it because there, I think there might be a little misconception there too, where people think about self care, they think about slowing down, right. Meditating, yoga, going on walks, journaling, having a long shower, making a tea, like that is self-care, but in my opinion, maybe an unpopular opinion too, is moving meditation. Like, like you said, getting out and riding a, a, a motorcycle, feeling the wind in your face, like going out to a fun area and jumping off a waterfall, like self-care doesn't have to be a slow thing. It can be fast and furious too. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause like so one of the things we do when we go to this waterfall is there's it's always it's it's about an hour away and it's in the country so we'll stop at like a farm stand in the summer and grab peaches and let peaches run down our face you know like i love it that's self-care too that is yeah and (laughs) honestly i'll i'll say this for the guys because it came to mind um sometimes i'll let my wife like uh like cradle me like Hmm. hold my head or like i'll i'll let my wife really love me And that is self-care too. It's like the reminder that like, yeah, I can love myself and I can let her love me too. Yeah, you absolutely can. I think that's so important that you shared that and raised that because that is, and I think some men and maybe even some women would be like, what, why? No, men are supposed to do the cradling. And I call bullshit on that because I love the feeling too of holding my partner. Because women also love to give love and to love their partners. And it sucks when that gets thwarted away. Like if you try and go up and be physical with someone and they push you away, um, 
it's it's not a nice feeling either right so having Mm -hmm. that ability to to connect like that and just allow yourself to be vulnerable uh is really beautiful and i think i think there's a lot of men out there that need that kind of uh touch and uh, it's so good it's uh to be able to let down you know I, i i feel like there's this like mental image of like kind of being the little spoon right and and, mm-hmm. and my wife my wife is um a small bodied person so it's like yeah. it's, that's not going to happen but for <laughs> me um like just holding my head and like just uh, there's this thing of like let it's almost like when your mother held you when you were a kid but yeah. better right yeah. you know because this is like your best friend too so um yeah that's it's just this really safe feeling it's loving touch is what it is it's loving touch and I think it's beautiful. And it's funny that you say the head, because now I'm starting to see a theme emerge here. Like my partner <laughs> loves it when I hold his head. Like he says to me, like, just stretch it, like pull it off, just hold it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is about guys in their heads, but if any ladies are listening and they're in a relationship, go hold your man's head today. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I love it. So You've been through a lot. I love it. I love that you're sharing all of this. And I know that despite all the amazing things that people can achieve and overcome as humans, we're never perfect. We never, I don't think that we're ever fully healed. We're fully uh, done with things. So I imagine there are still challenges that you face today, despite how much you've overcome. Corey, what are some of those challenges that you still deal with today? Oh yeah. Um, you know, (laughs) it's funny. We, at certain parts of our life, we pick up coping mechanisms that serve us in those moments, right? Like maybe that was drugs for me when I was a kid, but like, um, at some point in my life, I picked up a a bit of an OCD just with cleanliness, right. And not even cleanliness, but like things put away in the place that they're, they're designated home. Um, and that with three children and a wife can cause some trouble. Uh, <laughs> Is it, it like it <laughs> my mom always said, if you're do- if you're done playing with a toy and you want another one, you have to right. put your other toy away before you take a new one out. Like that was the rule. Yeah. So that was kind of the rule with my dad. Mm-hmm. And and I picked that up from my dad and, and in very hectic times in my life. It's been a very useful tool. Mm-hmm. Um, to know where everything is if you need it, right? But things aren't very hectic, right? We live in a really <laughs> nice home and like in a suburb, like things aren't hectic. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, my kids don't give a shit if they put their spoon away right away or not. Like, yeah. um, and, and they don't really need to. Um, and sometimes I think it's more important than it is. You know, that's definitely... Um, been a letting go it, it's really honestly like a control so that, thing yeah. yeah um and learning to like let go right when I was incarcerated I started to like read every day and work out every day mm-hmm. and I worked out every day probably for the first five years that I got out and I had to like learn that like okay core like you don't have to be militant about yeah. it right movement is good but militant is is you know, when it starts to like, Hey, I can't do anything on Friday because I still didn't get my workout. And so I like, I mean, I don't know. Um, there's a balance to life, a yin and yang. It's not so black and white, right? Like my goodness, 
Yeah. I think that's great though. Habits are so important. And most people are like, well, you know, they, they're the opposite of you. They're like, well, I'm not motivated and I, I can't, I can't get myself to go to the gym or whatever. And those people don't need more motivation. They need an action plan or it sounds like you had such a solid action plan. You needed to step a little bit away from it. Very much so. Yeah. And, and that's, that's been like a letting go. And I'd say, honestly, one of the, one of the tougher things for me has been, um, learning to, uh, ask myself a few questions before responding to people that I really love Mm -hmm. because in close proximity, um, and I've seen this in my relationship and I'm sure you have, but what can happen is you can turn something into something that it's not right. Like, um, (laughs) you know, all of a sudden you're arguing about, well, who got the groceries last? And when neither one of you really gives a shit about who got the groceries last. Yeah. And, um, and a lot of times it's like, because we're so close, because we know each other so well, it's easier to forget that, like, how, how much I love this person, right? Mm-hmm. Because if I can stop and, and if, if I can find that little bit of space in between, like, a response and say, like, what if I didn't have this person? Or what, how much does this person mean to me? Then it, it changes the way that I respond to things that really don't, you know, like, when, it's like a scale, right? Like, yeah. How, how, how much do I really want to invest in, you know, who put the groceries away or who didn't put the groceries away or, you know, it was a mess when I came home or Mm. whatever. It sounds like instead of reacting or being impulsive, you're giving yourself just that extra, maybe even a second or two of space to then almost look at things in a more realistic way. Right. That's exactly what it is, but this is the interesting thing. So I've been able to do that in business. I've been able to do that, um, you know, pretty much everywhere else, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, But now it's a new thing. And it's like, well, I I almost get angry with myself. It's like, you know this, you practice this everywhere else. Why aren't you doing this here? And it's like, well, this isn't, this is the first time, A, you've been married, B, that you've been ever, ever this close to anybody, right? Like, Mm-hmm. Like, so, so have a little compassion with yourself. Right. And then start to implement it. Like, yeah. yeah. And I think you're right. I think there's always, I think when, when I've, when I've got a good handle on this, we'll start a new, we'll, we'll start on a new issue that needs <laughs> a little, you know? Well, you know, what's interesting, Corey, in relationships, there's two types of problems. And this is from the Gottman Institute who did over 30 years of actual re- uh, relationship research study. There's perpetual problems and there's solvable problems. So solvable is who got the groceries, right? Like things that you're able to sit down and like communicate and figure out a plan and get over them right? They're solvable problems. Perpetual problems are ones that ain't going away. They're going to happen over and over and over again. And you have to learn to live with those in a relationship. Like they, they ain't going anywhere. They're perpetual problems. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I can get that. We got to know, we got to know when we're getting into a relationship, can we also handle the sides of our partner that really ain't going to change, right? Because nobody is perfect. So can I accept that this person has flaws and are those flaws something that I can 
handle for the rest of our relationship. You know, um, thinking about what you're saying, and I'm just like, I wish there was somebody that was putting together the information ahead of time, right? Because everything I've learned in my life, for the most part, um, I won't say the hard way, but was experiential, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there, like this stuff is factual, you know? It's yeah. like you said, based on 30 years of experience, based on 30 years of research, like these things, like knowing these things are, is um, invaluable. You're totally right. Nobody is taught relationship skills, dating skills, relationship intimate and otherwise. Like we go to school and we're just crammed with academics and maybe some communication or debate or things, but a very much more a business focus. And debate. Right. <laughs> Oh, Don't bring I that into your relationship. <laughs> no, I actually was on the debate team when I was in high school. And the debate that I had to do was be it resolved that women are smarter than men. <laughs> That's uh, the, and guess who won? Huh? <laughs> yeah. I did. <laughs> you did. I, 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 oh, I figured, yeah. Only because my oppose, uh, opponent made a, uh, an error in what they said and I jumped all over it. But you're right. In relationships, what we need to remember when we deal with conflict, and I love where our conversation is going all over the map and it's perfect is that number one, we're on the same team, right? Yeah. We forget yeah. that when we're arguing, it's like we, we're so hell bent on defending our position and wanting to be right that we'll never solve the problem, right? We have to remember one, we're on the same team and two, the majority of conflicts arise because not the surface level crap that's going on. It's not about who got the groceries last. It's not about the way you loaded the dishwasher. It's because underlying it is an unmet need. Somebody mm. sees that their husband who isn't loading the dishwasher is not, you're annoyed about the dishwasher, maybe a little, but it's because you're actually, the unmet need is that you're feeling underappreciated in the amount of housework you're doing, right? That's yeah. the actual real trigger under it. So it's learning to actually communicate, hey, Corey, I noticed that I'm actually feeling a little burnt out with the housework lately. Um, would you mind doing this for me? And then you're like, yeah. okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks for letting me know how I can help. Totally happy to step up, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, like hearing you and explaining the things you're explaining, it's like, it can almost be frustrating because in some ways it sounds so easy. Mm -hmm. um, and in some ways it really is like, like it almost sounds like an idiot book's guide, right? Like, hey, <laughs> well, like, remember you're on the same team. Like, duh, we got together. But you forget that. Of course. You do. Why? Because yeah. we're, we're triggered. We get into defensive mode. We're having an emotional reaction. And often we're letting our emotions control us, right? So when you mentioned the debate team, right? Like, I have to mention this. My parents were, I had a, my mother was a defense attorney and my father was a prosecutor. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so our dinner time conversations were basically debates. Like, how do you prove the other person wrong? Oh, I know. Well, that and, doesn't fly in a relationship, but yeah, go on. Well, I had to relearn how to communicate. Yeah, because in a sales world, like selling a job, it's like, OK, so this is easy there. I'm obviously trying to win them over. But in other conversations, I was like, no, you're wrong. And I'll tell you why that does not work in relationships. Oh, my That's God. Not, 
<laughs> it's not helpful at all. And I learned, I've learned that the hard, the hard way. Well, most people do, including myself, up until the point where I finally realized that I was having failed relationships and I was part of the problem. Like it's very easy to blame the other person and be like, well, I'm just, that relationship wasn't right for me, but I'm going to just keep being the same version of me and see if it works with the next person. Uh Uh-uh. It's like, what skills am I lacking or I am not understanding that I need to work on so that I can show up and be a better person? And conflict is one of them, man. I used to be so defensive. And I used to be a stonewaller too, which meant that like, if I was done with the combo, like I'm physically out of there, like, see you later. I've walked out or I've slammed a door or I've left the home. And the, the other person takes that as like, you're not important. I don't value what you're saying. And I'm going to abandon you in this moment. And that's awful mm-hmm. feeling. But I have actually have a podcast on what's called the four horsemen of conflict. And it's definitely worth having a listen to because it talks about the four things the four mistakes we make in conflict and their antidotes. And uh, if people can figure nice. out how to overcome conflict, oh, then you just have a lot more peace in relationships, right? <laughs> so interesting. Just so interesting. You know, we, 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 the toilet breaks and we say, okay, how do you fix the toilet? But like the relationship's not going well. And we're like, ah, that's it. Throw it out. Yeah, I know. I've done that many times where I'm just like, things aren't working out. So grass is going to be greener elsewhere. See you later. And that kind of but mentality. Not anymore. Yeah. No, no. Very, mm-hmm. very committed to my current partner. I'm very capable of leaning into challenges. I don't shy away from conflict anymore, but doesn't mean we don't still have it. I think it's really important for people to remember that. Like yeah. it doesn't matter how healthy your relationship is. You can be a relationship master. You will still have conflict. Why? Two people, two belief systems. <laughs> Good luck to you. Don't try and win. Yeah seek to understand the other person, but, uh, okay. So, so much we've talked <laughs> about. I'm curious as we kind of wrap things up, we've gone from your story, overcoming trauma, self-care. We just got into relationships. I could talk about that all day long, as you know, um, yeah. what, what do you want it? What's the biggest message? So I know you're, you're, you're breaking into this field of coaching as well. You have a very successful business. There's a, a desire to get into the, the coaching Uh, space as well correct me if I'm wrong what in particular do you really want to support men with if you could only choose one thing what would it be off the top of my head um it would be self-love which I I feel like if I tried to tell a bunch of guys like I'm going to teach you how to love yourself (laughs) I'm not going to say what they would think in their head but um well, desperately, they'd be wanting that too. Maybe the way you phrase it is, I'll teach men how to stop being assholes to themselves. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of times I think they think it's everybody else, right? Like kind of your, what you said about the relationships and failed mm-hmm. relationships, but. Um, it's just, easy to know, blame the other yeah. person. Yeah. You know, honestly, I don't want to pigeonhole myself because I think I can help guys in a lot of different ways. But one of the things that's been recurring in my life is, men oftentimes feel very open with me about sexual trauma in their past. Yeah. Um, and God, I can, I get a lot of emotion saying that. Um, and yeah. if, 
And, and I mean, I've had men that I barely know come up to me, talk to me about it and say they've never told their wife of 40 years, you know, um, wow. and they've I- never told anybody. And it's like, if I could get you to a place where that's no longer a secret and it's something that you don't have shame or anything around, like that's a fucking, whoa, that's worth, yeah, that's worth uh, a that's, lot to me. That's really powerful. And I think that there are, well, in fact, it's one in four men, isn't it? Because a few podcasts ago, I did uh, I did an interview with a gentleman who was also learning to recover from sexual assault, and he's now a public speaker. And he told me the stats. I'm just going to bring it up here, fact-checking yeah. fact myself. Uh, but if I'm not incorrect, it is, here we go, it is one, one in six men will face mm-hmm. a form of sexual assault. And I think when he was talking to me, the gentleman, Tim, he said it's uh, most all of that is before the age of 18 years old. Yeah. In the developmental stages. I mean, you wonder why guys have a really hard time in relationships, right? Yeah. Or and- shut down or, you know, like the, the men do a lot of very similar things in those situations. And, I wonder uh, how many of those one in six are keeping it a secret and they're not sharing it and they're not opening up because they feel shame or that because they blame themselves. And uh, I'm curious, Corey, uh, how would you feel about, you know, men reaching out to you if they wanted to talk to you about that, or they had questions? Are you, are you oh, open um, yeah. wide open for that? Wide so, open. Yeah. The door's open for that all day. So lots, there's lots of different things they do, but how can, uh, I'm going to put some links in the bottom of this podcast, of course, but how can people reach out to you? Let's say they're listening and their curiosity has been piqued and they just want to put their toe in the ring. How do they reach out to you? Where do they go? They can, um, so they can reach me at the McCarthyIE.com website. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it's for the construction business, but you can leave your name and information in there and I will get back to you. Yeah. You can reach out to me on Instagram or uh, Facebook. Um, and you can also email me at Corey, C-O-R-E-Y-M at McCarthyIE.com. And McCarthyIE is M-C-C-A-R-T-H-Y-I-E.com. Awesome. I'm going to put all those links in. I imagine the easiest for people that are on social media would be to send you a uh, Instagram message or whatnot, but yeah. Well, you know, I I do, I do want to say one thing, like, because I think you said like how many people aren't saying it and Mm -hmm. uh, the reason for changing it, right. The reason for bringing it back up, the reason for going back to that place and not having it be a secret, the reasons are, are, are so much more than you could imagine right now in your life if you're hearing that, right? The reasons for going back there have made my life immeasurably better, right? Yeah. I do. I have somebody that I trust so much and she's my partner and she's my best friend. And she like, you know, these are the things that have happened because of that. Yeah. So it's people probably debate in their brains, you know, risk versus reward. And they think it's too risky. So they don't, but the reward I'm hearing from you and at least your story uh, is immeasurable. And man, it's been so nice to have you on. It's been such a pleasure talking to you on here. God, I love just, I guess this new angle I'm taking with, with the show is just is 
is making it more about other people. And it's such a pleasure to have you to hear your story. I know it's only a small piece of it. I know there's another podcast you did where I think you guys were chatting for at least two hours. Um, but <laughs> let's have you back on because I know that there's more lessons to be shared. And I think the more we normalize people being vulnerable, sharing their stories, um, there's going to be different men that different men are going to relate to. Uh, and so the more I can bring that to the market as well, the, the, the happier I feel as well. So again, thank you so much. Any, any last kind of parting words or anything you feel you, you want to share to the, the audience listening today? Um, I just appreciate being on. This was fun. This was good. Uh, it's always good to remember how much, um, all these things mean to me today, you know? So thank you for the time. Yeah, you're very welcome. It's been a pleasure. So thank you guys for tuning in. Of course, if, uh, if this resonated with you, please share it. Um, in a sense, uh, put some links in the bottom of the podcast as well. So feel free to reach out to myself or to Corey uh, if, uh, if some of this work inspires you. Uh, and again, thanks all for tuning in and I'll, I'll catch you all next week. Ciao.